Hello and welcome to the Tea and Toast podcast, the bi-weekly podcast which focuses on mental health and wellness. On today's show we have Pippa Wallace, founder of May Coaching. Pippa is a certified life coach and on today's Tea and Toast will be walking us through exactly what life coaching is all about. Pippa will be sharing with you lovely listeners tips on positive mindset, self-progression and relationships, especially during this difficult time. And if you have a particular interest in Gary Chapman's love languages, you are in for a real treat. Hello, Pippa. How are you? Good, thanks. How are you? Good, thank you. Are you pumped for today's show? I am super pumped, Kirsty. I can't wait. <laughs> <laughs> so talk me through your morning. So I know that we were talking about the morning tapping. How did you begin buzzing ready for Saturday? Well, usually I stick to my morning routine. However, on the weekend, sometimes I'm a bit naughty and I had like two chapters left of my book to finish. So I did that. <laughs> As I said, I was a little bit cheeky and and gave into temptation (laughs) let's kick off in knowing a little bit more about yourself and how may coaching came about yeah so I am a transformational life coach I qualified for coaching about a few months ago although actually as coaching is not a regulated business there's a lot of coaches phenomenal coaches out there as well who are coaching without having done any sort of certification But I got into it, it was about October last year, maybe a little bit earlier. And kind of in my spare time, I've always been really interested in personal development, self-development, spent a lot of time listening to TED Talks and podcasts and reading books. And I think it was last year, I just decided one morning, I was listening to a TED Talk, I was like, why don't I do this? And for a little bit more information, my background is in psychology so that's what I studied at university and my first work placement I ever did was with an executive coach so I had some knowledge around what coaching is and I have always been fascinated by human behavior so that's kind of the background and I kind of decided that October morning let's go for it and I reached out to a few coaches that I knew Um, and it's quite hard to actually find younger coaches um, but I happened to have an acquaintance who was a younger coach so I reached out to her uh, got a bit more of a feel for what she does and understood what course she did but it was I think it was has always sort of been a calling for me because when I left university I was quite in a low place with my self-worth and I really got into personal development because essentially because I needed to help myself because I had struggled with my kind of mental health, I guess, throughout university. So I just became almost hell-bent on improving my life and mindset. And that's why I want to help people do the same now. So May Coaching was born because May is my middle name, May is spring, May is possibilities. And it's kind of just gone from then. It's just grown. So I've been doing it now for nearly nine months which is exciting. Wow. 
nine months that's gone by really quickly as well I know I think it's lockdown lockdown <laughs> has just sped up time <laughs> <laughs> well I as I've always said I love the the what you're doing right now and I think the fact that you've experienced things yourselves and uh, yourself even and are able to help other people through that I think it makes it a lot more personable I think sometimes people when they do seek advice they feel like they can't relate to that person and then there's a bit of a, a divide so I think that's amazing that you're doing that and where it all began and May is positive and May is spring and you're definitely somebody that oozes positivity so I'm so glad that you're doing something like this. Life coaching I guess what does that include because I think often we hear about it but we're not necessarily sure what life coaching is all about. Yeah so absolutely it is one of those things and to be honest there will be like a million different definitions out there as I said earlier it's not a regulated business but there is the International Coaching Federation who it almost is easier to explain coaching by saying how it's different from its sort of counterparts like counselling or therapy so coaching is pure coaching this is is non-advisory it is essentially using using powerful questioning and other sort of frameworks to understand where someone is where they want to get to goals any personal professional whatever barriers in their way and yeah how it's different from counseling or therapy is it's more outcome focused so when you're coaching you will go into a lot of things in the past you will touch on a lot of deep things because one of the biggest challenges people have within their mindset is overcoming limiting beliefs so you will definitely dive into the past however the goal is to have a goal and to be moving towards that goal and to be checking in life coaching that's sort of the pure life coaching so it's non-advisory a lot of people as well that you'll find sort of on online and other sort of coaches they will include advisory especially if you're looking at sort of a business coach so pure coaching wouldn't advise but other coaches can advise because it's not regulated. But essentially, it is about sort of being a passenger and letting your client drive towards their goal, but you kind of navigating a little bit, put it that way. <laughs> <laughs> that helps define it a lot more. I think having goal setting and having those outcomes, and like you said, that sort of tailored method into how people can progress whether that's with work or whether they're sort of personal life and it's also good that they tap into um, certain elements that might have those limiting beliefs like you said I think that's one thing that can't that we'll definitely dig into a bit later is around core beliefs because I think core beliefs definitely have a way in holding people back um, from things that is that is really hard to kind of break sometimes and I think with regards to day-to-day -day clients so what would you say is kind of the most common area, especially during this time that people are focusing on? Is it things like self-compassion or is that more like a limiting belief or um, ego? Yeah, absolutely. And I think it's important to quickly touch on who I'm tending to coach at the minute are professional women who are between like, I would say 26 to 38 sort of age. And I think that's important because I, and, and most coaches will laugh because they'll say you end up coaching yourself, basically. <laughs> usually that's the sort of clients that you attract. So I just wanted to touch on the demographic that I usually work with just because of the sort of questions that come up for them. But a lot of what I've done is around 
and they're actually a lot around sort of managing thoughts at the minute. So a lot of mindset work and within the coaching, I've got a new client that signed up. We're talking about relationships, but it's not about with the goal to have a relationship. It's just kind of rewriting negative previous patterns or I am working with someone who is planning on kind of launching a business by the end of next year. And again, it's so funny. It always comes back to mindset and kind of improving that work. And sometimes I've even had clients who just want to think more positively. And I think at this time in particular during COVID, it's very easy to feel trapped and feel like your options are closed off and have that perspective. So it's about shifting it and and seeing what other doors could be opening and then sort of the day-to-day managing stress and stress and anxiety as well so whilst coaching is very goal orientated a lot of what I've worked on recently has just been mindset work creating more positive thoughts about themselves their environment their future and slowly working towards that I, I really thought I would have sort of more specific goals when I first started coaching like I want to run a marathon <laughs> by like this time next year and um, we'd come up with like a really strict sort of program training and we'd find her motivation or his motivation but actually a lot of it's been like I want to be happier and that's one of the things about coaching which is quite interesting is that you can work with both very tangible goals and slightly less um, less tangible goals that is so rewarding as well seeing people grow in that confidence because like you mentioned although there's things like starting your business or relationship goals there is also that emotive side of things that I guess makes us all human really so seeing them grow and develop that must be so rewarding because people do have like I mentioned things that do hold them back so having like self-love and growing in confidence in that area it's something that can work wonders and the fact that you're doing that especially during this time where people have a lot more time to focus on themselves be really happy with yourself and proud of what you're doing because it makes a difference thank you and definitely yeah have you felt that you've seen I guess over that time of training people has that been one of the best things for you seeing them grow and develop in those areas like how does it feel for yourself I guess when it comes to life coaching yeah, I think we were having this conversation, but it is such a rewarding experience. It's it's a conversation where it's unique in, in, the, in the sense that it's nothing to do with you as a coach. It's absolutely nothing to do with you the same way sort of therapy is. So you can just completely immerse yourself in someone else's life. And when you get feedback that, you know, you've helped someone cope with a difficult situation, like I've had a client who really was struggling with sort of imposter syndrome at work and she ended up doing a presentation and she used kind of the methods we talked about and you hear that and you honestly feel like it's, I can't, it just gives you a warm feeling inside that you've actually improved someone's life and you've made something that they were struggling with easier because there's being happy and then being positive which is fabulous but it's also being able to kind of deal when things are a little bit difficult and developing coping mechanisms as well and I love that you said that it is good to be positive but it's also good to know when you have those moments where you are challenged because that is where you really learn and develop the most is through your coming out of your comfort zone so yeah, definitely. I totally agree with you. And I think, yeah, when it comes to presenting and the imposter syndrome, I can totally understand that because I have to do that. And I, <laughs> I hate it so much because it is so natural that your internal thoughts 
can sometimes take away what's happening in the present so um it's it's definitely one thing that I struggle with personally and when you talk about sort of some of the key areas it would be good to understand a bit around the tools that you use so for example I know you mentioned about journaling and daily affirmation and the tapping which actually I tried today and I'd never done before and it does really help yeah absolutely so as we spoke about before coaching is outcome focused so one of the things I would strongly recommend anyone do but also a practice that I love to do with my clients is visualization so we do an activity called future pacing but there's loads of different ways you can do it it's about getting yourself in the present moment to think about where you want to get to close your eyes and imagine who that person has to be to get there what do you want to see around you how do you want to feel what you know what can you see what can you hear what can you taste what can you smell all of those things and getting really in the present moment to this position of yourself in the future and i i love it from a point of view that it's very imaginative and it gives you a bit of escapism but i also think it can really help when you're trying to think about your direction and yeah, I would say visualization definitely would be up there with the top one, especially when you're looking at moving forward. I would say journaling as well. I have loved journaling since kind of coming out of university. That's that's really helped me. I know that there's a lot of kind of tips and tricks and actually you can get stuff like the happiness planner, I think it is. But I would think if you're looking to boost your mood, the most important thing you can journal about is gratitude. So writing down things that you're grateful for. And you can also use this visualizing it as well. So I think what's really important about gratitude is tapping into the emotion of it rather than just kind of saying, I'm grateful, but tapping into the emotion. So that's sort of the visualization technique as well. Um, in terms of journaling for the future I would suggest a method called scripting which is where you write in the present tense where you want to be so I feel like if people read through my journals they would think I was crazy person because it says <laughs> it says a lot of stuff like I am this which I'm which in the present moment I'm not um, but you could say like, I am super successful. I'm running a six figure business. I am feeling confident. I'm feeling proud. And you write it all in the present tense because that is kind of what your brain understands rather than, you know, I want to be this, feel it in the here and now. And then the last thing I think I'd recommend is, we've spoken about visualization, journaling, tapping. Yes, I, I've, recently started tapping in the mornings so I am no expert on tapping and EFT is an art in itself and it's something that I'm definitely going to look look more into personally but I think tapping the karate point chop karate chop point of your hand and positive affirmations whilst doing that releases negative um energy and actually now we've just mentioned that <laughs> I would also recommend positive affirmations because the reality is we are constantly lying to ourselves and our mind. That inner voice is always saying, you know, lies to yourself like, oh, I'm so stupid or, you know, I can't stop eating. And you, you always tell yourself lies. So I think with affirmations, you've got to just see them as better lies that you're telling yourself. So even if you don't feel, you know, beautiful that day or confident, if you're saying I'm confident, I'm beautiful, why not? Because you already tell yourself a lot of things that aren't true. So just tell yourself, Better lies, really. 
I love that Pippa it's so true that the inner voice and saying the better lies and some of the terminology that you use in terms of even when it comes to the present tense it seems like when with our brain and how we communicate it is almost challenging those beliefs and saying like you said with the present tense like I just find the mind the reason why I'm doing this podcast is so interesting because there's just so many parts that we are yet to discover and so I'm definitely going to start doing stuff like that and I am going to try and challenge with better lies because I am that person that with everybody else I'm the biggest cheerleader for when it comes to myself it's so bad so I think having those Mm. better lies and having like you said the the gratitude and the different parts of those it's almost like they all interlink like you mentioned the visualization the tapping the affirmation and it's all like a best practice circle really that hopefully everybody Mm. can learn from present tense that comes up quite a lot actually um how people need to be more present with why would you say being present is probably the, the best way of moving forward and then as a juxtaposition of that actually um what is important with reflecting because i know that's also another part of your practices visualization but also reflections as well so that's where the the journaling comes up as well okay so there are a few little tricks to the brain and one of them is that we really struggle to think of kind of the future or the past so in terms of the way like our language works the same way if we say you know if i say don't think of a pink elephant you think of a pink elephant so it's important i'm bringing that up because when you journal you don't want to be saying like i am not poor you want to say i am rich you know you've got to say things that are you don't want to overcomplicate it and you want to say it in the present tense because simply that is what your brain understands better than kind of the future tense the importance of reflection so one of the things that is really and we just we kind of touched on limiting beliefs at the beginning is one of the things that's really important is to understand when you are triggered by certain beliefs so there might be certain scenarios so we mentioned kind of presenting as one of them i know for me as well that is definitely a trigger i you know i get a voice in my head who says like you look like an idiot or you know you're going to talk absolute nonsense and it, and it's not true it's absolutely not true but it's about understanding the activating situations so that's where reflection comes in really well it's about understanding you know why why did that come up then and once you kind of understand like the bodily reaction we call it the a to f model when we coach so we'll we'll talk about the activating situation the belief the physical reaction the thoughts the feelings and when you understand what thoughts are going on in your head because a thought always triggers a feeling so once you understand what thoughts are coming up, the activating situation, you can start to cultivate those sort more positive thoughts that we touched on before. So similarly to a positive affirmation, kind of being armed in certain scenarios that you know you're going to be triggered with kind of a better way, better framework for dealing with it. Definitely. One of the things that reflecting and being more present and like you said, having that language with your brain is something that is really important and maybe not many people know about so it definitely will help people more so especially trying to get people out their head I guess it's even more during this time people are more so in their head because they have all the time in the world to be more self-critical with themselves the next part that I'd like to ask so relationships and also I guess more so with what you've been 
exploring a lot recently you had a phase of focusing on relationships i know that each you have like different bursts of different um, focus areas and the relationships ones i find really interesting I find is it like something that's a key area for people i guess relationships kind of seeps into not just like your own relationships if you've got a partner it could be friendships it could be people that work colleagues um, it could even be with themselves. And I know that you spoke a lot about Gary Chapman's love languages. Yeah, absolutely. I feel like everyone loves this topic and I completely get it because I learned about it when I was doing the proper certification for coaching, but I had figured it out. Well, I had figured it out. I found it out before then and I've just been obsessed with it because I think it is a really interesting way. And, and the more you kind of, you know, you see it in your relationship, friendships, you, you know, between siblings, between your parents, whatever it is, you, you will start to pick up on it once you notice them. So essentially, Gary Chapman was a marriage counsellor and he would have kind of his clients come in and the wife would say that, you know, she wasn't feeling loved and the husband would be like, I don't get it. I buy her presents all the time, but like he was never there or whatever it is. And he started to realise that there were basically five core love languages and it is almost debated and as well whether there are actually more, but we'll stick to the five love languages of Gary Chapman. We won't go into that. But they are gift giving, quality time, acts of service, physical touch, and one more. Words of affirmation? Words of affirmation. Thanks, Kirsty. <laughs> And so there's five, five key love languages and essentially everyone has one that is dominant, but you can have one or two and you can do the quiz online to find out yours. And it's important to realize this is not your love languages of what you like doing because, you know, you might be somebody who really likes gifts, but when someone buys you a gift, you don't really care, for example, but it's what, what makes you feel most loved. So for me, it's quality time and physical touch. Those, those are the two things that are really important. And for my partner, for example, he is acts of service and gifts. So it's different and it's important to realize it's different because I should make an effort to kind of do like nice little surprises because that makes him feel really special. And whereas he would probably want to go out and kind of I don't know, do you drop my post off or whatever it is at the post office? I'd much rather he just sat down with me and had a conversation at the end of the day. So it's really important and, and it ties into every relationship. Like you'll have some friends who would much rather you go out for dinner and don't go on your phone and just focus entirely on the conversation. And you'll have other friends who wouldn't really mind if you're on the phone, but would feel really loved if you told them how beautiful they looked or, or whatever it is. And there is nothing wrong with having one or the other. I think sometimes when people are gifts, they feel like they, they shouldn't be gifts because it sounds like materialistic or whatever. But it's never about, you know, how much money is spent. It's about thoughtful gestures. So yeah, those are the five ones. It's so interesting. I could go on about it all day. And when I work with clients, especially working with clients who are in relationships or with clients who have recently left relationships and are reflecting on their kind of past relationships, it's really interesting because you understand where their needs are being met. And, and once you sort of realize that actually, okay, well, he is doing this, or she is doing this, but she's not doing your love language, 
it kind of takes the guilt away a little bit. It, it takes away the sort of shame of like, okay, well, he did buy me a present, but you know, I really wish like he would just say I look pretty or whatever it is. You feel almost, I don't know. I think it does take it away a little bit. It's okay to say that actually one thing makes you happier than another thing. Mm-hmm. I totally agree. And it's interesting that you say your love language and your partner's because mine is the other way around. I'm like your partner and my partner's like yourself. And it's interesting because I would be like buying him gifts and he was like, I'm really not bothered about that stuff. And like you mentioned, yeah. I just want you to hang out with me. And I was just like, oh, okay. And it's quite interesting. Like <laughs> you said, I was like, oh, I thought that was fine. It's really interesting because we are all just so different. And once we understand that, it actually helps massively with relationship building because you just know what makes them happy. And if it is quality time or if it is those small gestures, like you mentioned, or even, yeah, acts of service is something that it's so funny. But if Matt was to clean the whole flat, I just would be the happiest girl in the world. <laughs> and for him, he just would never care about that stuff. So it is something that I, I definitely find super interesting. And I bet you have so many questions about that. And that's probably why you did your, um, your sort of Instagram live about that is because a lot of people probably ask you around love languages and relationships as well. Yeah, definitely. I had a, a DM from from someone and, and she was asking, and I didn't know her and she actually didn't follow me. She came through, she must have seen it and she was had just started seeing someone. She was like, how do I find out my partner's love language? I was <laughs> like, well, you can ask if he wants to do the quiz, but I don't know. <laughs> if, how long have you guys been dating? <laughs> don't want to be too full on (laughs) that's so true I wonder how people do end up I guess you can kind of pick up on signals but it is hard without them doing the quiz as well and it's not like the first date you want to say hi do you want to fill in a quiz so I know how to (laughs) how to sort this relationship exactly (laughs) can you walk us through how we can perhaps practice practice this with the acts of self-love and relationships with ourselves? I know often we may feel anxious, so it can be stemmed from issues of comparison with self-love, issues around ego. So how can some of our listeners begin to maybe overcome some of these issues like this with ego and comparison and begin practicing acts of self-love and their relationship with themselves? Yeah, absolutely. So I think probably what I'd say was the biggest sort of act of self-love is to give yourself the time to really let your thoughts be and question your thoughts and and do the inner work. That's probably the biggest act of self-love. I think often we equate it to running a bubble bath, which of course is lovely, or doing a face mask, which again, of course is lovely. But actually what's what's really valuable is taking time out of your day to sit down and, and I know we were talking about the love languages earlier, like one of the big ones is words of affirmation. Like what thoughts do you need to hear? What do you need to let go of? Um, and giving yourself permission to feel what you need to feel, but then also realizing that you can choose to think in a different sort of way and comparison is such a massive one and I think it's just getting I want to say it's getting worse but I think it I I mean I hope it will be getting better but with social media I think it probably has gotten a little bit worse because it's just so readily available and it's not even just comparing you know to someone who's your colleague it's now comparing to someone who's in a whole different league so to kind of overcome that there are a few different things and I know no one wants to fully give up social media but that would help other ways of doing it is just to monitor like 
say when you're scrolling and you're comparing and you notice yourself getting triggered, one of the biggest tips that you can do in um, it's a CBT technique is to just say stop out loud and it just stops your thoughts because it's so easy to let them spiral. I think it's so important to to protect your mind so protect what comes in and so if you're constantly feeling triggered by whether it's a news source or it's a personal instagram or even if it's like a colleague or whatever just make sure that you give yourself the space the time if you can detach from that person then do if you cannot follow them then do um, but i think those sort of acts are massive acts of self-love because you're prioritizing yourself and it's hard to do that. It is really hard to do that in this day and age. It's hard to say, okay, well, I don't want to do that. Same goes for if, you know, you've got someone calling you, um, a friend, a good friend who you really love, but you're not in the headspace to pick up the phone. Like it can be really hard to just say no, but actually saying no to things is probably one of the bigger, um, acts of self-love you can do as well. You mentioned at the beginning, self-care often is related to having that bubble bath and that time to yourself. But it's so true about protecting your mind. I think sometimes you can almost mirror how other people feel or you can absorb those feelings without necessarily meaning to. And it can make you feel but you feel just like you're trying to take on too much at that time. So it is good to protect yourself and kind of set those boundaries as well. You mentioned about um, managing sort of negative relationships and protecting yourself from that. How can we do that a bit more? I think that's one of the things through this time is that relationships are really important and we're working with people in a different way and we're also connecting with our friends and family in a different way. But sometimes there are those relationships that we have we've been able to sort of disconnect from and kind of help our mindset, but there still might be those people that we want to try and in a polite way kind of remove ourselves from because we can feel that it's it's creating a negative impact on us with regards to self-care yeah absolutely so it's really important to be clear on whether it's a friend or whatever family member whatever whether it's something that is continuously making you feel bad or you're being weighed down by because of the circumstances so say someone that you really care about is going through a hard time and they're kind of lashing out and and you're bearing some of the brunt that's one thing but if you're in in some sort of negative relationship with someone and that can be a friend that can be a colleague where you know they're constantly competing with you they're constantly putting you down to make you feel better you've got to be able to distinguish between the two of them because I'm not ever going to say like cut someone out if they're being negative it's not about that it's about reframing it and seeing like okay right well what do I need and sometimes and this is probably one of the most kind of said things and um, mental health care is you can't fill someone else up if you're not full so there's no point pouring from what is it the pouring from the empty cup you have to sometimes fill your own cup up which might mean setting boundaries for people that might be kind of taking from you so for you to be able to give and for you to be able to help out or whatever it is in any sort of relationship then you need to make sure that you are protecting yourself and that goes back to kind of protecting your mind again if it is a relationship where you're constantly feeling you know weighed down and actually having time apart has made you feel so much better it's something to worth considering and it's also i'm not saying cut anyone out but it's worth considering how much of that person you allow yourself to give to them so how much of you you allow to 
how much of you you allow yourself to give to that person um so it's just really being mindful and there's nothing selfish about self-love and that's really important to remember because it's not about it's it's not about being like I'm better than anyone else. It's not about forgetting anyone else. It's about prioritizing you so that you can help others and you can serve others. That's what it's all about, really. Thank you, Papa. I think that's really helpful. I think that one of the things that I've found, especially and from people that I've been speaking to recently, sometimes relationships can have that impact. And it's so true about self-care that a lot of people associate it with not that they feel bad to give themselves that time like if you're a parent you feel bad that you're going to go and have that time away from your children and if you're even in a relationship having that day to yourself you feel like oh I feel bad for having that day to myself and leaving them alone but you should feel okay to do that because you do need that time for yourself around the sort of professional relationships and more around the workplace in particular so there's obviously a lot of fear in the current climate around job satisfaction and job progression and a lot of fatigue with the workplace. So how are you currently helping clients around this uncertainty that we're currently facing? Yeah, absolutely. And I think one of the, one of the great things that's happened is working from home, but it's one of those things that also probably has led to kind of more fatigue and being in the same environment all of the time as well. And on top of everything else, because it's such an uncertain environment there's also there's a lot of pressure at the minute to feel really grateful to feel really grateful that you have a job because you can see the redundancies happening and people being furloughed and all of that sort of stuff and there is a lot of pressure to feel grateful and part of me says yes of course you should feel grateful but the other part is that that might not necessarily be serving you. If you're struggling in your job, if you're feeling stuck in a rut, if you're not feeling motivated, and then to ha add an extra layer of this kind of forced gratitude because of other people's situations, um, that's a real issue because it just adds an extra layer. You don't need to feel guilty about, about kind of something you're already struggling with as well. Um, in terms of purpose, it's so interesting because a lot of the clients I'm working with now, if they're not happy in their careers, they just feel like they can't do anything. There's nothing to be changed. But I think we always have to be mindful of what's, what's fact and what's a story. And there are some facts. Absolutely, there are um, more redundancies, there are more furloughs, there is kind of like less job security at the minute. That's fact. But is it a story in your head that there's no other options for you? Is it a story in your head that there's no progression, that there's nothing you can do? You need to just be careful and check in. And it, it shouldn't be a time necessarily for you to, uh, to completely shut down and think you just got to stay still. It's definitely a time where you can reflect and see what you're moving forward. So see, you can check in with your job. You can see like, is this fulfilling me? Is this, you know, what other options might there be? I think there's loads of, there's been a big boom and like people starting online businesses and stuff like that since lockdown. So it's about kind of seeing the opportunities and questioning yourself whether you're in a good position. I know I, I might have mentioned this before, but it's, it's looking about what makes you happy in the workplace as well. Like thinking about what you're good at. Strengths is one of the biggest indicators of job satisfaction. So if you're using your strengths on a day-to-day -day basis, so maybe you're really analytical or maybe you're good with people or maybe you, you're both of those. If you are using your strengths, you're probably going to be happier. This is big um, finding that they found in positive psychology. If you are in a position where you feel like you can't move, but you do want to move jobs, it's worth 
worth starting to really do some of the inner work and thinking, okay, fine, maybe now is not the exact right time, but what can I do now to kind of progress it, whether that's finding what you want to do. So doing some reflection. I know, I think I've mentioned before the sort of timeline, looking, looking at the timeline of your life and seeing hey what was I happiest doing it might have been when you were at school and you were I don't know doing some creative painting maybe like that's something you've left behind like this more creative side of you but looking at the timeline of your life what when was I most happy what makes me the happiest and picking things up and it can be hobbies it can be studies you subjects you studied in school it can be any of those sorts of things and it's using those to to question and reflect instead of putting your professional life on standstill because of the climate think about what opportunities there might be use the extra time you do have and your commute to maybe learn a new skill or to just take time out to focus on okay what actually makes me happy and where do I find my purpose and what are my strengths because you know this this won't last forever and the professional world is always changing and it's about carving an opportunity for yourself um I think that's the advice I'd give love that I think that carving the opportunity for yourself very well said I think you're so right in terms of we have all this time that we might not necessarily have um again so looking at our strengths looking at our core values and seeing how we can take this time and make the most to see what opportunities are available to us I think sometimes we are so focused on what's in front of us and being upset about some situations within the workplace that we can't really control and actually we can always look to what where is the next step to especially because things will turn around very quickly although we're in a recession there's definitely still opportunities out there we may not necessarily know about a lot of things that when it comes to sort of stunting any sort of steps forward whether it's in our professional life or our sort of personal life I think sadly it's a lot around core beliefs I know that a lot of us have like am I worthy am I enough this may not be the right sort of workplace in your lifestyle or how can you help sort of come combat some of those negative thoughts because I think a lot of things always come back to those core beliefs or I know some people mention about that inner child as well that we might have yeah absolutely and um these core beliefs are what shape your mindset and mindset is what shapes your life essentially it is the foundations for your lifestyle um so it's so important to take the time to do the deep inner work around what what your beliefs are and it's important to know that these beliefs have been chosen like they are something that have been chosen not necessarily because you because you know, because of good things, you might have learned them from, you know, bad experiences, you might have learned them from good experiences as well. But ultimately, if you can identify them, and you can, um, you can empower yourself by realizing that you can choose different beliefs that serve you better as well. So I am such an advocate for just self-worth and feeling enough and I know that that is kind of the foundations of everything like you're able to take risks if there's some place inside you where you are valuable and you're worthy you're able to put yourself out there more um, your day-to-day struggles any conflicts that might come up become easier if you're happy within yourself and you and you give yourself that sort of internal home that feeling of enough security and that and that is i think the crux of so many people's um futures as well as whether you know 
are you going to talk to yourself the way a friend is going to talk to you like a good friend i'm not talking about those relationships you mentioned earlier where you're maybe they aren't so good for you but i'm talking about self-compassion and words that you can use that serve you so first first step of everything is awareness so figure out what belief is coming up what situations um, in particular trigger that belief so maybe it's right before you do some public speaking or on a call whatever it is or maybe it's before you um i don't know ask someone a date whatever it could be think about the situation where it comes up bring your awareness to it what is the actual thought that you're feeling is it i'm rubbish or I'm stupid, I have nothing important to say, and, and get really clear on what the belief is. And then understand why, why that was created, because whether it's a bad belief or a good belief, things were created to serve you. And I think the easy answer to always say is, oh, you know, it definitely doesn't serve me. You're right. I don't know why I say this to myself, but actually at some point in your life, you thinking, you know, you're stupid may have served you. You, you would have created this belief for some sort of reason when you're a child that actually by calling yourself stupid, maybe no one expects a lot of you. So there will be some sort of way that like a belief is serving you. So don't just shut that down, that question down immediately. But then it's important to realize, okay, that might be serving me, but how is it holding me back? Like, what is the consequence of me feeling this way? Like, one, I feel rubbish in myself, maybe. Two, I'm not putting myself out there for a in meeting or project opportunities at work. Think about the consequences of your actions and then start to challenge them. Like, if your belief is like, I am stupid let's just go with that one think about times when I wasn't stupid oh when I figured this project out or when I figured out the answer to this question like challenge yourself really really allow your mind to wander and then think think clearly like what belief would have served me better in this situation so okay I am quick learner or I am a hard worker and I I overcome challenges something like that it doesn't have to be like I'm stupid to I'm the smartest person in the world it can just be a more constructive belief that you create and and then slowly and gently you'll be going back into those situations for example like the public speaking one and instead of just automatically thinking I'm stupid you might think I'm good at listening I'm good at overcoming problems I and that sort of thing will serve you a lot more but do not ever overlook why that belief was created in the first place because deep down there's probably some way inside where it served you at one point to think that but remember it is your choice to change it you can choose how you speak to yourself so choose words that serve you better gosh I, de- I was deep in thought there Pippa because I was thinking about mine at the same time I was like <laughs> okay why has this happened and what can I do differently I think it's so true exploring those core beliefs why did they come up they definitely have served you it's almost like it's like a coping mechanism or that comfort blanket that you've had through those situations so letting go of that and understanding what you can do to to sort of change that. I know sometimes it's almost like CBT was situation based, like what you think versus what happened are very two different things. So how can you talk to yourself in a different way to help with that situation as well? You've talked through a lot of amazing things for us. And I think that I'm so thankful that you've given us the time today to talk through that because a lot of people are really wanting to know how they can help themselves during this time um whether it is through work through lifestyles through relationships and i think that as the last two things i'd love to 
first of all, how can you help people and listeners during this time? And the second part is passing advice for the listeners. So any key sort of quotes, I've asked this um, for each person that's joined the show, anything that sort of sticks with them. Yeah, so my main service is one-to-one coaching and I work on a four-month kind of program. So it's perfect if you're ready to kind of start afresh in 2021 but I also share a lot of content on my Instagram feed because I want it all all this information to be available to everyone so you can find that on may at may underscore coaching um I also have a blog on my website which I will be adding more to so that's maycoaching.co.uk I also have got some plans to run some workshops um as well coming up into kind of October, November time. So hopefully um, you'll see those and they can subscribe to join those and those will all be free as well. But core services are one-to-one coaching, but I'm just always pushing out more and more content that, that should be able to help. Any of you lovely listeners, um, do feel free to reach out to Pippa. She's great. And like she mentioned, that she's always sharing some really helpful advice along the way. And I'm really excited for workshops that you mentioned too. I think they're going to be really helpful for everybody. And I guess as the last thing, as a parting gift, what advice would you have for our lovely listeners today? Um, so yeah, my definitely my number one piece of parting advice is to believe in the magic of the world. Absolutely. Everything is created twice. So it's created first in your mind and then in reality, do the mindset work. Don't be scared to dream big. I always think of the example of flying in a plane. Someone created that first inside their head. And now very often, maybe not now because of COVID, but there's millions and hundreds of flights a day. And it was all created first with someone's kind of mindset and belief in the possibility and not letting kind of science or rules or um, facts that they believed get in their way. They created a story first and then they created it into reality. So I think that is my biggest piece of advice. Believe, believe in the possibilities and believe that you can change and believe that what you want can happen because it can. I love that everything has a little bit of magic and I think that that is a great way for people to hopefully go today and just think that everything is possible when you put your mind to it and do reach out to Pippa she will make sure that she can advise on how to make that possible and I hope that you've enjoyed today's podcast thank you so much Pippa for your time today I really appreciate it thanks Kirsty thanks so much I've loved being part of it Thank you for listening to this week's Tea and Toast podcast. If you want to share any feedback or ask any questions, don't forget to follow, like and share via Instagram at Tea and Toast the podcast. And don't forget to subscribe.